Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 104, dedicated to Mr. Joe Lewis, who on June 18th, 1941, knocked out Billy Kahn in the 13th round to remain the heavyweight champion of the world. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we have Mr. Cody Gwynn with us once again to review Long Gone Summer. And yes, ESPN Streaks of Documentaries is over. I am so glad that they put this streak on, starting with something that happened in 98 and ending with something that happened in the summer of 98 as well. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, the home run race of 98 was one thing that baseball fans will never forget. You can't forget either that Ken Griffey Jr. was a part of this race as well. They didn't talk about him as much as I think they probably should have, but even though they didn't highlight him like I think they should have, this documentary was a lot of fun to watch. Cody and I had a great time, an enjoyable fun time, a lot of fun reviewing Long Gone Summer. And before we get to that conversation, I have a big, big announcement here for the podcast. The podcast has reached another milestone. The podcast has reached, as of, I believe, Tuesday evening, 5,000 plays or downloads here for the podcast. Yes, in a short, small lifespan of the podcast, we are over 5,000 listens, downloads, or plays, whatever word you want to describe that category. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for downloading, for rating, for reviewing, for telling people about the podcast, for critiquing, for helping the podcast get better. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much because without you, the listener, the podcast would not be where it is and would not be what it is today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and take a trip to Greenville, Tennessee to enjoy my fun conversation with Mr. Cody Gwynn as we recap Long Gone Summer. You know, Cody, you're back here. I'm excited to have you back again. And I was thinking about a great way to describe you and your love for documentaries. So I was thinking documentary guru. Eh, that didn't really fit well. Documentary aficionado. Didn't really have the right ring to it. But I'm going to go with documentary connoisseur. How you doing, man? You, I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure you loved the documentary last night. You and your wife probably watched it together again. Uh, what did you guys think of it last night? Well, I got to throw her under the bus. She's not a baseball fan, so she didn't watch this one with me. She was oh, bored after man. about the first five minutes. They started talking about buying the home run ball for a million or over $2 million, and she said, yeah, I'm not watching this. <laughs> so that, was, that was it for her, but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought, unfortunately, I wanted them to go into a lot more detail about just the entire season, and they only talked about the home runs. But all in all, I mean, I, it, was, it, was, it was a fun experience to look back on what I think was I was young, but by far the best time in baseball yeah best time in baseball and and the summer I, I when I was texting you I kept saying the summer of 98 because I assumed that was the title of said documentary but no it was long gone summer but the summer of 98 it was special the year kind of started off John Elway winning the Super Bowl with the Broncos and then you had the last dance the last ride with Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls Jordan in June hits hits the, hits the game winner over by Brian Russell we talked about that recently, but I think it was like a few weeks ago when they had the, the last episode of The Last Dance. And then right after Jordan and the Bulls win their sixth championship, you go right into this run where Sammy Sosa Cody had a run that nobody expected. No, it was it was so crazy. And, you know, looking back, and I mean, it was an, 
at, on one hand, it was a great time for the documentary. And on another hand, it's the worst time because this is a firm reminder of how great baseball was. And, you know, coming off the heels of 94, which was, you know, when, when baseball died, so to speak, and it was no longer America's pastime. And that opened things up for people like John Elway and the NFL to really boom and really take over as America's sport. Then at the same time, Michael Jordan to become America's athlete, where yeah. that was the guy everybody knew. And both those things you mentioned are so important because they were both able to make that jump to worldwide, you know, not or worldwide, the worldwide stage because of the fact that really people were done with baseball. So the summer of 98 brought a lot of people back and McGuire and Sosa, you know, that is the national spotlight, of course, and that's the mainstream thing. But really, you know, in my opinion, in 98, the year of 1998 was, you know, I, I'm still real young, but I remember that being the year where I really started to grasp towards sports because I wanted to watch it. I was mm -hmm. so pulled in. I also remember that was the year I, I had a PlayStation. So one of the first games I had was a baseball game and I loved playing it and I loved finding all the players and doing all that. So that made me want to watch it even more, but all in all, 98 baseball had everything, man, because you had the great run of Sammy Sosa chasing Mark McGuire. But at the same time, when you take out those two teams, important to remember that neither St. Louis or Chicago was really that good. Right. They just had the two best players. 98 baseball, all in all, was such a great year. Every single, I don't want to say team, but every single division mm -hmm. had a storyline. And that's something that, you know, obviously baseball storyline right now is that it sucks and nobody, they don't want to play. But over the last few years, there's just not any storylines in baseball. You know, no. there's there's nothing I want to follow. I might hear something here and see a cool score there, and some guy close to a no-hitter, another guy hit a couple home runs, but there's just no storyline to follow. And that's where baseball's changed. And in 98, man, obviously the main storyline, the home run chase, but oh, there were so many things happening in 98, so many things. Oh, there were, and there were. And I kind of wish – um, they went a two-part or a three-part series oh, with yeah. this one because yeah. you could have highlighted Ken Griffey Jr.'s impact on this home run race. Yep. He was right there with them neck and neck, and then all of a sudden these two guys kind of broke off. But you could have talked about Ken Griffey Jr. and how he pushed them. You could have talked about how the whole steroid era. You could have done really two hours just on that alone and talked about how even though it's a dark spot, it's a black eye on baseball in their history, Cody, man. And I would, me and you grew up around the same time. This was what pulled me into baseball because I had football. I had basketball. Okay, this summer, what do I have? I have Sammy Sosa. I have Mark McGuire. I have Ken Griffey Jr. hitting long balls. And we all remember, you remember the saying, chicks dig the long ball. And this is exactly what they're talking about. No doubt. And there was a great, I don't know who said it, uh, but, you know, the home run is – the major thing in sports, no matter what you do, there's slam dunks, there's three pointers, there's touchdowns, goals in soccer, holes in one, all that. Nothing like a home run. There's nothing no, like a home no. run. And 98's really where that started, even though players have been hitting home runs for years, all the way back to, you know, the golden days of baseball. But this was when that really took home. And you went out, you know, in a double, triple, big time RBI, none of that mattered. You wanted to hit the long ball. And, you know, like you said, I, I was in that same boat where I was, I said it was two hours. So I thought to myself, all right, well, we're going to have an hour of, the home run chase in an hour of the fallout and how it was such a big thing. And then it became kind of the black guy, as you mentioned, but now I think still looked at in a mostly positive light, at least in my opinion, especially now that we're watching documentaries about it. But <laughs> I would love a three part series on just 98. And this could be just a part of it because I mean, you have to think of like the top teams. You now when I think 98, of course, the first thing is McGuire and Sosa, but then you think of the, 
all in all, 100% chance that we were going to finally see the two best teams maybe in baseball history play each other in the World Series. You were going to have the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. Even wore my 98 starter jacket for I this. I like it. As, I as like you can it. See. <laughs> but it was so for sure that – that was going to be the World Series because those were two of the best teams. The Yankees were loaded, of course, with uh, – you had Derek Jeter still at his peak. And then you look over Atlanta, they had maybe the greatest pitching rotation in baseball history, Chipper Jones. Uh, they had just acquired Galarraga. They had Javi Lopez. I mean, they were so loaded. So, of course, you had those two great teams. But at the same time, you had all these teams kind of creeping up. You had Houston, who I think went over 100 games, and they had Jeff Bagwell. So, again – Chicago, St. Louis, they're getting all the fanfare. They're getting all the attention because they got these two guys hitting bombs. Houston won that division. Houston was the best <laughs> team in that division. But, yet, no, everybody forgets about that because of what Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa was doing. He talked about King Griffey Jr., who I think maybe is the most underrated athlete of all time. He yes. should have been the face of, of sports. I mean, he can do yes. anything. He was the most well-mannered amazing five-tool baseball player really at the time and still to this day you know I said in my opinion you know Mike Trout may be the only guy that I really can say what can't he do and mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that baseball's fallen off so much where people are just like yeah Mike Trout who cares because he's that kind of player and I'd say if baseball's still relevant in 20 30 years people look back and go that Mike Trout dude was was one of the greats but that's what I think of when I see Mike Trout getting off topic a little bit but that Seattle Mariners team and this is one of the reasons Ken Griffey doesn't get enough credit that Mariners team was so bad because they had zero pitching Ken Griffey Jr. had 56 home runs Alex Rodriguez had 42 home runs 46 solo bases when he was still skinny yeah but still a bit strong and then Edgar Martinez hit over 320 and had almost 30 home runs so you had all that but yet they struggled because they were nine games under 500 and just struggled to really find pitching I think they traded Randy Johnson that year too so you might be right you know, Seattle was so fun to watch and looking back was one of the most fun to watch teams that just didn't put it together until I think 2000 or 2001 they end up winning like 110 or 112 games so that it took them a minute but man, there were storylines everywhere there were storylines you go over to the west side you got San Diego who end up you know they were called the underdog even though they still almost won 100 games but defeating mm -hmm. Chicago knocking out Sosa then defeating Atlanta people were like oh my goodness this is a, a, a surprise like not really. I mean, they won 96 games. And then, you know, the Yankees, I mean, I still think uh, – I put it in my notes. I, thought, I still think no team's ever won as many games combined, regular season plus the playoffs, than the Yankees did in 98. So, I mean, that, that's bell to bell. That's starting off the season hot, going through the dog days of summer, finishing strong, going through the American League, sweeping the, the first round and then – or sweeping the wild card round or the divisional round for the Yankees and then sweeping the World Series. I mean, that's the crazy thing about 98 is we're always going to talk about that home run chase – but baseball, you know, again, just my opinion, was around its peak to me during 98 to 2001. You know, that was when I, I was so excited for summer, you know, because I wanted to see. And, of course, 98 had the home run chase. 99, well, Kenny hit 75 this year. And then right, right. 2000 came. You started to get more young stars. And you started to see more athletes in baseball. And you started to be like, well, this is not just a, you know, fat guy sport. I mean, these guys are built. These guys are athletes. And then 2001, of course, watching Barry Bonds. So, that was baseball's peak. And of course you mentioned it, it fell apart once the steroid thing happened. And, and I mean, to this day, obviously now we're talking about a different subject, but you know, baseball never fully recovered from that. No, it didn't. It didn't. And you mentioned the dog days of summer. And in this documentary, Mark McGuire talked about how he normally had a fall off around the end of June, July, beginning of August. He wasn't sure if it was a travel. He wasn't sure if it was the heat. 
he wasn't sure if it was just the dog days of summer. He wasn't sure what the explanation was for his fall off about his hitting and how he wasn't hitting like normal, blah, blah, blah. We all know, we all have seen the fault that he had and so many players have during that time period. But then we go back to Sammy Sosa. And Sammy Sosa during the month of June – out of nowhere, this cat hit 20 home runs. Like I mentioned earlier, he hit 30. I think I mentioned it. Maybe I didn't. He had 36 home runs in 97. So to go from 36 and all of a sudden he has 20 home runs in the month of June alone, and I to remind you, in the month of May, May the 6th, Kerry Wood had his 20 strikeout game. And I remember that game. Now, I think I was watching it. I may not have been, but I'm pretty sure I remember very vividly what was going on because my dad, Cubs fan, grew up, grew up a Cubs fan, grew up before in Indiana, and then it was kind of like, oh, you got WGN? What do we do in the summertime? We watched the Cubs. That's all we did. And so Kerry Wood, and that was like my thing. Man, I don't get in, a little going back a little bit, but that was like my thing. You get there in the summertime, there's – there may not be summer camp that day. The Cubs are on. So you get you get on, you're inside, dad, maybe outside grilling or cutting the grass, and the game is on. And all of a sudden, Kerry Wood starts pitching. Okay, three, four, five, kept on going, six, seven. Hold on, this isn't normal. Like, he's a young guy. We know he's good, but he kept on going. Then 15, 16, is he going to do it? 20 strikeouts in a game. Oh, moderate mind you, Cody, I recently looked this up. Only 15,000 fans there at that game that for that 20-strikeout game. Think about that now. If that 15,000 fans were at Wrigley for that game, Cubs fans would get booed. What are you doing? Why is, that the, why, why is nobody there? But that's just the way things were because, like you said so well, the Cubs weren't good. So May 6th, 20-strikeout game by Kerry Wood. The very next month, right when Mark McGuire is going to get his little streak or his little downside of his, of his season, all of a sudden, 20 home runs by Sammy Sosa, and the buzz started going. And you already know, you and I are the same age. Summertime in June, you're with your friends. So what are you doing with your, when you're with your friends? We're not talking about who won or who lost, Cody. We're talking about who hit a home run the previous night. Oh, yeah, and that was, that was the best part of – being a baseball fan around that time because I mean again I, I think a lot of people especially people that are a little younger than us who just know about the home run chase I mean they probably thought St. Louis and Chicago were battling for a pennant you know they probably had no idea that neither team was really playing that well but that's what mattered and you know you mentioned June and of course Sammy got high in that month it was just I mean just playing so well and, and Mark you know he had a better June and July in, in uh, 98 than he had ever had before I mean usually right. that was when he got hurt right which you know of course he was he had some stuff that year, but nonetheless, uh, he was staying healthy that summer. But looking back, man, I, I remember the later part of the summer, August and then into September, that was what you talked about was, I mean, you you paid attention. You couldn't wait to catch Sports Center, couldn't wait to turn on ESPN to figure out who hit the home run. You know, where's the chase at? What's the next game? What time do they play tomorrow? Who's got this many games left? I mean, those, and for a lot of fans, I would say 98's been a lot of, because of, of course, Loving basketball and football, it took until I was probably about 12 or 13 to start learning more about basketball and football statistics. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 98 is when I started following baseball statistics because I was figuring out home runs. How long was the home run? You know, what pitch did he hit it off of? How fast was the pitch? You know, what I, I wanted to know how fast did it get out of the park? What side of the field did he hit it on? I, mean, yeah. I wanted to know all that because, I mean, Mark McGuire and Sosa both were hitting bombs, and there were some other players hitting bombs too who unfortunately go under the radar. I mean, that was a huge home run year. I mean, I think four players hit 50. I know Griffey had 56, and there was one other who hit over 50, and then there was one player short of 50. Albert Bell was one short of 50 with the White Sox, so still in Chicago. But, I mean, so many players were hitting long balls, and they just kind of go under the radar because none of them hit almost 70. But that was a big year for home runs, and, I mean, that – it changed the game. It changed the way people talked about baseball because right. I think for a long time, your, your baseball fans were mostly purists 
mm-hmm. who did love statistics and did love, I mean, they loved the small things, they, the little things. I mean, I remember, you know, probably or not remember, but I, I know back in the early days, I mean, uh, there was nothing prettier than just a nice little base hit, nothing prettier than a double play. And people, you know, went crazy about strikeouts. And I mean, come 98, I mean, it was over. If you weren't hitting home runs, I mean, I love the clip <laughs> on last night's show where McGuire got ejected and those fans almost started rioting, man. They Ooh, almost don't just think, they threw things on the field. <laughs> yeah, they were done because they came to see Mark McGuire hit home runs. And if that was taken off the table, then why are we here? Right. We could be anywhere else. So that was such a, a different age in baseball. And, you know, a lot of things change. And again, you know, that's not what baseball is all about. And I know in 98, a, a baseball, I think probably lost a, a lot of pure fans who were like, mm-hmm. this isn't what baseball is about. It's not about hitting the runs. And, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of the older baseball writers around that time used to always chime in and go, yeah, Mark McGuire hit two home runs, but they lost. They didn't have right. great pitching to the couple right. of those, you know, and they would, they wanted to talk about that. And Kerry Wood was the, amazing starter but was a rookie in Chicago sometimes were a bit inconsistent that year and Mm -hmm. they ended up making the wild card but nonetheless I I think a lot of people still said what about a team like Houston why are we not talking about how good the Houston Astros are because they don't have a big home run hitter and that's what people wanted the 90s and that's what uh, the media wanted that's what you know national television wanted you mentioned WGN and I know the Braves used to play on on TBS and they had star power Chipper Jones was a, a superstar and the Yankees had their network and they had star power as well but in terms of the national scene and ESPN and then getting, you know, Fox on board, you had to have a home run hitter. They wanted the long ball. And you said earlier, chicks dig the long ball. And, and so did the money. Money followed where <laughs> the home run hitters win. And, you know, I mean, after that year, or Mark McGuire, I'm sure could have got, if he would have been a free agent after 98 instead of after 97, I mean, he would have made a, an amazing amount of more money than he did signing in, in 97 or before the 98 season. So, it changed the game. It changed the stat you looked at. I think for a long time you looked at batting average first, then you started looking at home runs. I think over the last few years you started looking at batting average again a bit more maybe than home runs. I think that stat's it's starting to get back to where it used to be a little bit, and it's mostly due to the fact that your casual fans have sort of left baseball behind. Yeah, you mentioned stats a few times, and I have a couple stats here, well, side-by-side comparison of McGuire and then in Sosa. In, in most years, Mark McGuire in 98 – if you're having this type of line, you're going to be the MVP. Mark McGuire hit 299, 70 home runs, 147 RBIs. I think that gets overlooked, honestly. Most people just think it looked at the, at the home runs, but it's RBIs that get overlooked. 130 runs, finished second with the MVP race. And then Sammy, so- Sammy Sosa, who was first, three, 308 batting average, 66 home runs, 158 RBIs, 134 runs, and then once again, first in the MVP race. And I'm just sitting here looking at this now, and I'm trying to imagine how would these players – this is what I've been asking myself in my mind. What would be the difference between back then and now? Because back then, Cody, we all remember the Bulls and the the media circus that that was. Remember, we saw, we witnessed the media circus that was the Cubs and the Cardinals pre-social media, pre-basically internet age where the internet ruled everything. No Twitter, no Facebook, no Instagram, no nothing. No nothing at all. But these guys ran everything. So I'm just thinking in my mind, as I do all the time, trying to just use my imagination a little bit, like one of my teachers told me to do back when I was in school. How would we focus on these players now versus what we did back then? Well, I think, man, I don't, I'm curious because we saw Mark McGuire get frustrated when he was being asked questions about what that bottle was in his locker. And he had to say with a frustrated look on his face, it's over the counter. Anybody could get it. But you know how the media is now. There's so many different websites 
So many people have started their own different outlet to cover X, Y, or Z sport. I'm curious in your own way, in your mind, how that season will be viewed now. I mean, let's be honest. Baseball needs that so bad. It, <laughs> I does. Mean, they would, it does. They would They would lose their mind to have anything similar to that. But if it was around then, of course, back then, media access was, I mean, I think in the 90s, and I love that they even had clips of, uh, of Maris, you know, getting interviewed, and he was not enjoying that. So I think baseball was just a different sport. I mean, everything was so traditional. Baseball was, was so traditional where, I mean, it was – you were just used to sitting down with newspaper guys or a radio guy and just asking, you know, pure baseball questions. And now you're getting asked these questions by these big-time media members who maybe don't understand – the code of conduct in baseball because i mean even to this day baseball is treated just a little bit different than the other yeah. sports they're still just hidden you know codes and everything and these hidden rules so i think in terms of how today would be of course the media has changed a lot and media members are i gotta be careful how i word this is i guess technically i'm a, a, we're both sort of media <laughs> members but a little bit more bloodthirsty i mean you're not really a lot of the media is not really just wanting to talk about you hitting home runs. They're looking for something different. Right, They're looking right, for something right. to grab. To, to a do little dirt. That. Just a, a little dirt. Yeah, just a little dirt. Just something to make their call. Because, I mean, again, if me, you, and four other people write a story about Mark McGuire hitting his 65th home run, what makes our story stand out? If your story says McGuire hits home run number 65, you know, on pace for 70, and my story says McGuire hits home run 65, bottle found in locker, oh, man. My traffic just went crazy. So I think that wasn't as common knowledge in the late 90s as it is now. So, again, they just come in your locker and you don't do any, you don't hide anything. You don't move anything around. I mean, back then you used to see guys doing interviews in towels. That would never happen now. You know, these guys get full up, suited up and, and everything now. So times have just changed a lot. But in terms of the social media age today, I mean, that's what baseball needs. Baseball needs a star, even if it's someone – like a McGuire or even like a Barry Bonds who didn't love media, who wasn't, you know, uh, the guy that would say the right things and do all these, these things to get, to get famous. Baseball needs just some kind of character. They need right. something to just gravitate or get fans to gravitate back to the sport. And that's what they're lacking. I talked earlier about, about Mike Trout, who I think is by far the best player in baseball, but he's just kind of bland. He's just right. a really good baseball player. But again, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch a LA angel game. I could just see highlights and read about what he did. And besides that, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't even think of a, a big star in baseball right now. Bryce Harper is a little bit of a character, but again, not, not going to go out of my way to watch him play because he's not breaking any records. I mean, that's, that's what baseball had then. And, you know, Sammy Sosa was just such a likable guy. You wanted to cheer for him. He looked like he was always having such a good time. King Griffey Jr. was such a phenomenon where you knew, you knew this guy was special just by looking yeah. at him. And you wanted to watch him play. And then Mark McGuire was bigger than life. I mean, dude had muscles off through his arms. You looked at him. <laughs> Literally looked, bigger than life. <laughs> I mean, bigger than life. He looked like, I mean, he could hit a home run with one hand. And same thing with Barry Bonds. You've seen Barry Bonds and you always almost, I mean, you just almost started cursing because you're like, that dude is a monster. I mean, that's what brought people to baseball. And I seen a tweet that I laughed at, then stopped laughing. Then I kind of thought, well, that's true. And then I start thinking that, but it said, if baseball needs anything right now, it's steroids. I mean, my goodness, they need, they need. <laughs> I see why you laugh. Yeah, because I mean, it's so like, oh my goodness. And then you're like, but it's true. I mean, they, they could use these guys who are just hitting monster home runs. And I think for a long time, I remember 2000, 2001, might've been even 2002. There was a article that went out that talked about, could a player hit 100 home runs in a season? And in that article, people were saying, yes, it could definitely happen because there's going to be 
you know, more players that that's, that's their purpose. Your purpose on the team is not to be a good hitter, not to have a great batting average, not to hit doubles, not to even drive in runs. Your job will be just to hit home runs. And they believe that one day you would have a player who could just be a home run hitter and could eventually hit a hundred. And of course that never happened. And we never even seen 70 again and people hitting 60 has been, you know, extremely rare. So the game just changed. And I know some purists will probably say for the better, but I would, I would, uh, you probably agree that uh, again, like we said earlier, baseball was never the same after the initial steroid fallout. And when they up their testing, which again, I joke, I'm not, you know, that's not a bad thing. You know, we don't want players, you know, jacked up on steroids and stuff like that in any sport. But I mean, it, it was a black eye on baseball and it was something baseball never recovered from in terms of, of popularity. I mean, it just never, it never boomed that way again. And even to this day, it's never been like that. And now on top of that, you're having this fallout where they can't ever, they can't ever figure out their salary. They can't figure out a salary cap. They can't figure out negotiations. Baseball's always had that problem. And it baffles me that that's the one sport that it seems every so often just, they just can't get it right. And it, it's, it's wild and not having a salary cap and all the weird rules that baseball have in terms of their contracts. I mean, it's come back to vital more times than it's ever helped them. It has. It has. And I was thinking when you were talking about what, how the change may be from then to now, I honestly think SportsCenter, not just Stuart Scott, but you had Dan Patrick, you had Rich Eisen, you had SportsCenter at the height of its brand at that time. And we made an appointment television to watch SportsCenter. We could only watch certain games the night before, WGN, TBS, Yes Network, whatever it is. And I know on the West Coast, I know we're talking about East Coast now, but I know on the West Coast they had their networks as well. But SportsCenter was a thing. And I remember when I went to my grandma's house in Fort Wayne, Indiana, I lived in Indianapolis at the time, about an hour and a half, two-hour drive, depending on who drove to my, my mom and my dad. Not going to talk about who one drove slower because they may listen to this and then be like, why you called me out on the show? Sorry, I'm just going to keep that one to myself. But we used to go to grandma's house, and, you know, grandma would wake up. Grandma would, hey, what you want to eat, baby? And she would make breakfast for my brother and I. But then grandma would be cooking. I would be sitting down in the living room watching SportsCenter. I, I didn't care if I watched a game, a game that night before or not. I would be sitting down in the chair, watching SportsCenter. And this was when it was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the same show for four or five hours, on loop. And I just kept on watching it. And you saw home run after home run after home run. Or you saw Michael Jordan. Or you saw Carl Malone. Or you saw Gary Payton. Or you saw Sean Kemp. I know we're talking about baseball, but it's a whole thing. The SportsCenter Sports brand was at, the, was at its peak at that time. And I really wonder, and this is things that I ask, ask myself while you're listening, while you're talking. What, how has SportsCenter affected this brand of SportsCenter, affect baseball and what happened in 98? Because I honestly don't know how it would enhance it. Social media would help. But SportsCenter, the brand, I don't watch SportsCenter that much anymore. I don't know about you, but there's so many people. Bleacher Report, uh, Twitter, oh, Instagram, I got, me, I got me a home run. Okay, good. I'm done for the night. And then you wake up the next day, nobody checks box scores anymore. Nobody oh. watch, look, reads newspapers anymore. People don't even listen, want to listen to the radio anymore. They like the podcast uh, aspect to get all their news. And so SportsCenter, Cody, I'm just thinking in my mind, yeah, there's no Stuart Scott. Yeah, there's no Dan Patrick. Yeah, there's no Rich Eisen. But those guys really helped the viewer. Say if you're on, say you had to go to sleep before the game was over. You can, you you already knew. You could wake up early. You could get you a highlight. Stuart Scott doing his own thing the way that only he knew how. And man, Sports Center that brand enhanced everything about that season. And it was highlights, and that's what's changed. The Sports Center is now it's a talk show and it, it's hot takes, but. 
you know, that was what brought it out because, you know, again, living in Tennessee, the local baseball teams, the Atlanta Braves, so we were able to watch Braves games. And, of course, once you got to July, August, September, you it was very easy to find the Chicago Cub game or the St. Louis Cardinal game because it was on somewhere for sure. But early on, that's where you found out what happened. And that, you know, especially, you know, we're talking about the summer. So you weren't in school. So you were able to wake up and watch more Center. And, man, that, that, that hit close to home for me, Jay, because I remember watching that same episode five times in a row. Mom being like, it's the same show. And I'm like, I know, but we just got to keep watching it. It's and, what sports junkies did back then, man. Yeah. My mom would say the same thing. I was like, Mom, leave me alone. I'm good. Yeah, it's, 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 she would just say it's the same show. But you just want to keep watching. And, and again, that was the cool thing because that, that was the only way you, you knew what was happening elsewhere because I knew the Atlanta Braves were, were the best team in the National League. I knew Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, King Griffey Jr. were hitting long balls. But then, you know, SportsCenter would talk about the success of a team like San Diego and a team like Houston and how good Roger Clemens was pitching for Toronto and how the Yankees and the Red Sox both are in a pennant chase. And it's, it's going to be one team wins the division and one team wins the wild card, but yet they're both one and two in the entire American League. And and how good, you know, the American League West or the, yeah, the American League West was that year and, you know, how all this talk about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, yet Juan Gonzalez had one of the greatest years in Major League Baseball history with the Texas Rangers, but nobody knows that because everybody was talking about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, but Gonzalez was MVP, hit over 300 and 45 home runs, almost 160 RBIs, and won MVP in the American League, and I still don't think he's a Hall of Famer, and of course, Bernie Williams had a great year, and there are so many other things happening around baseball, and that's why, you know, well, of course, the home run chase is is so such an important time in baseball, and 98 was was loaded with things to talk about. And a lot of people know about that because of Sports Center. Now, of course, some people would actually say that the late night, the late 1998 Sports Center is when they started pandering a little bit more to where maybe you, you, they stopped talking so much about other things in baseball that maybe they should have been and just completely spent 45 minutes of an hour talking about the home run chase. And that was when they started doing a camera or a, a video cuts and, You'd be watching Sports Center, and it'd be Stuart Scott talking about this, talking about NBA free agency, talking about NFL training camp starting. Oh, we're going to cut Sports Center right now and go down to Chicago and would show right. you Sammy Sosa's at bat. That's around right. that time that that started. And again, at the time, that was really cool because you were like, oh, yes, here's what I've been waiting on. You knew you wouldn't miss it. Uh, and again, over the years, that sort of changed, and some people liked it, some people didn't. But as you mentioned, Sports Center is just not the same. But, you know, that was, that was then social media. And that was where you learned everything you needed to know. I mean, if you, in your own mind, you said, if SportsCenter doesn't tell me about it in this hour, it's not important. Right. Because they would, I mean, and you know, if I'm sure you're like me and you, you watched obviously SportsCenter through and through. And then maybe the second time around, you paid a little bit closer attention to the clicker at the bottom. And you want to see who won what game. Because, you know, maybe they didn't go into a lot of detail. Who had the big hit? Who had the great game pitching? Who was the winner? Who was the loser? Did so-and-so get the save? So you paid more attention to that. And then you got smaller news things there at the bottom. So that was social media then, you know, it was, it was there for you. And, you know, now uh, you just, you just don't have to watch sports center now. That's, that's kind of the thing. And you mentioned, I have all those same apps on my phone. If something big happens, ESPN will tell me instantly. Twitter will tell me instantly. A buddy will text me and tell me instantly. I don't have to go find the TV, flip over to sports center and, and watch the bottom for the breaking red news or the, the cut in, in between innings. You know, you just don't have to do that anymore. And, you know, that's where Sports Center sort of fell off when they lost the race with social media because, I mean, you know, the Internet's faster than anything in the world, so it's going to always have an update first. But, yeah, I mean, those, those were good times. And that's where – and you mentioned that was prime Sports Center too. Everybody who was on Sports Center was good. Nowadays I watch Sports Center and I said, how, how do I not work there yet? I'm so much better in these days. <laughs> like, that's, what I, that's what I catch myself doing. And that's why I can't watch it anymore. And back then I used to think, I want to do that one day. Right. So that's where times have changed. But 
yeah, that was that was peak Sports Center. That was that was, and that was what you wanted. You know, you're like me. You want to see highlights, and you want to see the important highlights. I didn't want to see an old player, with no offense to any former players. Of course, they're knowledgeable. They're former players, but I mean, I just don't care what a former player thinks of something. You know, I want to see it. I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. And if I want to hear more about it, I would go read an article. I would go look up a video. And now, I mean, you have no choice. You get a five-minute highlight and a 15-minute talking segment. And I think that's where times have changed. And I think that's what, for some reason, ESPN and Sports Center thought people wanted. But, you know, we want highlights because yes. you just can't watch everything. And that, that used to be the slogan. You can't watch – I think – I can't remember what it was. You might remember it. We, you can't watch everything, but we can. That, that was like one of their slogans. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yes, and, and that was so true because, of course, if I watched the Atlanta Braves game, well, then I didn't see Mark McGuire hit three home runs. I want to see Mark McGuire hit three home runs. I'll watch it on Sports Center. Now, I mean, you just, I mean, maybe I didn't see the Atlanta Hawks play one night. I was watching another game and I turned to Sports Center and they may not have any highlights of that because they spent 45 minutes talking about, you know, LeBron James not playing a full game. Or, I mean, you know, they just, they would just spend so much time on one subject. So when Sports Center changed, a lot of things changed in sports in general, especially for small market teams. And uh, that changed sports, not just baseball, but that changed sports, honestly. It did. It did. And I saw this yesterday. I'm going to go a little bit away from what we've talked about. Someone, I think Cody hinted it at the beginning. At the end of the documentary, Mary, I remind you, Long Gone Summer was two hours long. Two hours long. And at the end, for maybe five, ten minutes maybe, and we all know this is the biggest, a big part of why these guys were successful, all of a sudden they hit at the steroids. And, it went, and, and the mood changed a little bit. We all know Sammy Sosa. We've seen the E60 and how they don't really want to talk, how he doesn't want to acknowledge it. Well, I, I never failed a test. Sammy, I love you, bro, but just, just admit it. I understand you never failed a test. You never, you never uh, tested positive. But we all know what you were doing. Mark, Mark McGuire eventually admitted it and other players as well. But Barstool Sports, and this is actually something that I agree that they do. I know sometimes they put things out there that's like, why are you putting this out there? But they put out a steroid-era home run derby. And I know you'll appreciate this, Cody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start from the bottom and then go all the way up. But Sosa and McGuire are in this. At the bottom, you got Matt Stairs, Jason Kendall, Manny Ramirez, King Griffey Jr., Jeff Bagwell, A-Rod, Brady Anderson, Jason Jombie. I forgot about that name. Gary Sheffield. Paul LaDuca, Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, and, of course, McGuire and Sosa. Say whatever you want. We, we may, we'll go to the steroid era. Now, let's, let's stick here. These players here, they're all special. Everyone there has something unique to them. But for some reason, I think you may have mentioned this on Twitter last night, for some reason, when it comes to the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's like they exclude them from the elite. All of a sudden, they want to exclude them from the elite of the elite level. You acknowledge the... Their, their talent on the field. But when it comes to acknowledging it in the highest level that you can, they don't want to. Oh, Pete Rose, A-Rod, they can do stuff for Major League Baseball in the, in, the, in the World Series or on television, broadcasting games, but we won't acknowledge the talent that they were on the field. In other sports, and I, you can go pitchers, Roger Clemens, you can go pitchers in baseball as well, but in other sports, there have been pay, people that have done things illegally, performance-enhancing drugs, that are in the Hall of Fame or will be in the Hall of Fame. Cody, I don't get it, but for some reason, baseball seems to be way back in time instead of realizing, hey, these guys were great. Let's, let's acknowledge them. And that's the thing you mentioned, way back in time, because, again, baseball just has this code of conduct, this tradition that they follow like a book. And, look, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. You know, if, if we're going to do this by the book and everything, and that's fine. Make a new wing in the Hall of Fame. 
make a new wing, call it the boom era. I mean, if you even, you know, kind of want to be mean about it, call it, you know, the scandal era, call it the scandal wing. I mean, do whatever you want, but there is absolutely zero, and I mean zero reason that you don't acknowledge these players in the Hall of Fame because, A, their numbers are, of course, legendary, and I'll, I'll even tell you some of the players that I, I think is just ridiculous. B, I just can't, I just can't understand how if you look at baseball at that time, and you mentioned it's, it's pitchers too. So you're telling me that we had batters hitting monster home runs who were on steroids, hitting home runs off pitchers who were on steroids. Doesn't that cancel out? I mean, we can't go back and, and test every player. So again, make a steroid wing and have it headlined by Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. And boom, you have the best hitter of the steroid era, the best pitcher of the steroid era. And that's where you get started. And you don't have to put them in, in the same category as everybody else. But at the end of the day, you mentioned it perfectly. Alex Rodriguez is all over TV during baseball season. Pete Rose uh, betting on baseball. Yeah, horrible thing. Shoeless Joe Jackson with the fallout there of what happened in the Black Sox scandal. Horrible thing. Still, though, the best two of the best players of all time. Yes. If you don't want to put them in the same steroid wing as your pure, clean, great, whatever players, okay. But you have to get them in somehow. And Talking about this era between – I don't know why I have a pen in my hand. I went teacher mode there for a second. But going from 97 – we'll do 97 through 2004 or 5, maybe even a little bit later, 2007 or 8. These players are the only thing that kept baseball relevant because these, this is the boom years of the NFL. I mean, this is when the NFL became America's sport and every team had a star player and people were watching Dallas Cowboy games and Tom Brady was becoming a superstar and, of course – every other team here and there were on the rise. Of course, that was when, you know, the NBA had LeBron James enter. And of course, Kobe Bryant was having his peak years and you still had a, a great mix of the stars from the past mixing with these stars of the future. Baseball was hanging on by a thread and the only, that, that thread were these guys that were getting in trouble. The Manny Ramirez is the big poppies. You know, these guys keeping baseball just hanging on by a thread. And now they've been excluded because, and here's the thing that gets me, Jay. It's not because they failed tests. It's because their names pop up on these secret FBI raids of these legit mafia drug dealer guys that just have these big lists of names. But, I mean, that's the proof. That's it right there. And that's when baseball said, all right, we're done. So, I just I, – I mean, it's so crazy. And baseball is one of these things. And when I look back, I mean, this is – I mean, this is a – you want to talk about a 10-part series. And when we talked about Michael Jordan, you asked, you know, what are the other kind of 10-part series I would watch? And my main one – was Barry Bonds. Yes. And I think not just Barry Bonds, but the whole, that whole era, the boom era, if you want to call it that, because the fallout there is just so crazy looking back that, I mean, if a, you know, I'm a big fight fan. If a, if a mixed martial arts fighter, or a boxer, you know, tests hot, if they, if they have drugs in their system or if they're investigated or not investigated, but uh, if someone thinks they're on drugs or on steroids, it, it's its own little small investigation. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were in front of Congress, man. They were, I mean, that's how big of a deal it was. And Rafael Palmero, I've never used blah, blah, blah. And four months later has to come out to Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I did steroids. Like, I mean, <laughs> these guys were perjuring themselves. You know I mean? They were, it was such a crazy time. But at the end of the day, it's 2020. All that's in the past. You know, I, you, you've given it this time. The 30 for 30, I think, was a huge step because at the end of the day, it does glorify that time a little bit. And I think, first of all, the biggest thing is before we even get to the Hall of Fame, Sammy Sosa has to come back to Wrigley. Chicago has to open up their arms and let Sammy Sosa back in because Chicago baseball was dead. 
I mean, nobody cared. It was, I mean, people cared more about the Chicago Bulls for sure, cared more about the Chicago Bears, and the White Sox were really starting to take over all of Chicago. And Sammy Sosa, plus Kerry Wood, but mostly Sammy Sosa brought back, you know, Chicago Cubs baseball to the forefront. And it, it lingered even through Sammy Sosa. You know, he had got him on the map. And even when he kind of fizzled out, it's, they stayed a very relevant and very popular team, even when they still weren't great. Chicago's hat has to get him back in there. But once you do that, it's really time to reevaluate the Hall of Fame. And you need I mean, if you have to open up a new wing, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because, I mean, in my opinion, Barry Bonds, just looking at numbers, one of the greatest players of all time. You look at Roger Clemens, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You look at what Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did just in 98 alone. I mean, just for what they did in 98 for the sport of baseball. Let's not even look at the numbers. Let's not be a purist. Let's just look at what they did for baseball in 98. That right there is enough to put them in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, just because they saved the sport realistically. And I mean, Jay, you can go, th there's a huge list of, of talented names you can look at. I mean, Andy Pettit with the Yankees, the greatest postseason pitcher in history. He got, his name was on some list. Never, never tested positive. Name was on a list. Boom. You're not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, you mentioned it all over TV, still got mm -hmm. everything going for him. I think he's about to own the, uh, he's about to own a team. The Mets, I think so. maybe. I, th I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to own a team, but he's not a Hall of Famer? Come on, man. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez, for what him and Big Poppy did for the Red Sox, put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Rafael Palmero, that's an iffy one. I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> Pete Rose and Shula Joe Jackson, ridiculous. Roger Maris, ridiculous. I mean, all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Maris never got in trouble, but I just wrote down a list of names who I was shocked <laughs> to see not in the Hall of Fame. Marvin Miller, Dale Murphy, Keith Thurn I mean, the list goes on and on. Baseball Hall of Fame is one of the most confusing Hall of Fames I've ever seen where some guys get in first ballot. Who was it that got in this year first ballot? And I was shocked. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, great player. And I mean, a great player. But you're telling me that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and uh, Sammy, or not Sammy, Barry Bonds and even a guy like Gary Sheffield aren't? That's crazy to me. Right, that's that's right. absolutely crazy to me. And no disrespect to Vladimir Guerrero. I know he was clean, never got any trouble. Name was never on a list, whatever. But his numbers don't look anything like Gary Sheffield or definitely Barry Bonds. And I just, I, I just think that that needs to be reevaluated in a, in a big way. But, you know, I, I honestly, I think we're still at least a decade away from that happening. You might be right. You know, one thing that Major League Baseball does and reminds me of when thinking about how they handle steroids and things that don't fit inside of their box, they don't let them come in, they won't try to open their mind to think outside the box. NCAA, this is the same week, and I was not thinking about going this route, but the NCAA in 2017, all those lifetime bans that they had put down, they said, oh, you can actually, after 10 years, the school can police that ban, and the ban that, was, that we put down on them, oh, well, after, after 10 years, the school can say, oh, we want to associate or disassociate ourselves with those individuals. In this week, or Wednesday, excuse me, this past week, Reggie – I almost said Reggie Miller, Pacers. Wow. I don't know. I don't know where the name came from. Reggie Bush and OJ Mayo just had to end their 10-year disassociation with USC because of something that happened to them while they were in school. And all of a sudden, because something that happened, you got some gifts you can't associate with your school anymore. Like I, I talk to people outside of sports all the time. I have friends that don't care about sports. I'm like, hey man, look. So this person. He's the best running back that I've probably ever seen in college football. Literally. Yeah. Won the Heisman, won the national championship that year. The very next year, they were literally seconds away, a tackle away from stopping Vince Young and, and winning the national championship the very next year. All of a sudden, because he got some gifts, his parents got a house. I, I find it funny that his parents got a house and whoever gave him that gave, gave them that stuff um, provided them 10 grand to furnish said house. Like, hey man, look. 
Cody got bills, Jay got bills, whoever that is, help us out. Because we would love to have some of that money. Yep. But you you give them all that money, then all of a sudden you tell them the story and you're saying, oh, because they got those gifts, because somebody wanted to help their family, that individual who got the gifts can't hold on to his trophy? Did the school had to lose their 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 title? Like People outside of sports don't understand it. And I tried to explain the NCAA thing to, before. Um, I don't want really to get into the Rick Pitino stuff, the Bill Self stuff, the Sean Miller stuff. I mean, that stuff gets me going, gets me worked up. But at the same time, the NCAA is like, oh, you don't fit inside of our box. We're not going to change our ways until we're forced to. Name, image, and likeness. Thank you, Florida. Thank you, California. But we don't want to change our things until we're forced to. And it's just like baseball. But baseball has nobody to force them to change their hand, which is exactly why things are the way they are. Reggie Bush, okay, this is interesting, and I don't know why I'm going this route. I mentioned it on my other show, but I'm going to talk to you right now about it because we talk about this. We talk maybe once a month. So Reggie Bush, OJ Mayo, this associated with the school because they got gifts. Okay, cool. They got gifts. We understand it. It's, it's breaking the rules. But the NCAA never once said OJ Simpson, who we all know what happened, can't associate with them, or OJ Simpson even called games even though he did something that he should be in jail for right now. Yeah. All of a sudden, they don't care about that. They care more about the gifts than what that, did, that man did in the mid-'90s. Cody, it makes no sense. Yeah, and that's 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 uh, – I don't even – the NCAA's got to do something to figure it out. And paying the athletes, you know, that's, that's their scapegoat, I guess you could say, because that's what they think will fix it. I think that will just – I think it's a good idea, and it's just a system that's going to take a really, really long time to hammer down the right way because there's always going to be extra incentives going to the higher-ranking players, mm-hmm. which is then going to end up being a violation, which makes everybody reset and say, well, we're not going to pay any of them because that's what happens here. That's, what's, that's what I think is going to happen in the future. But, you know, you're 100% right, and it's I – see, I see where you're getting at now because that, that's where all sports are, where if you do something that's 100% off the field, uh, you know, a, a crime that's, you know, maybe not a, a major crime, but I mean, say you're, you're getting DUIs all the time or you're doing something such as that, you could still be a Hall of Famer. And they kind of disassociate with, you know, the things you're doing on the field and off the field. And I just think there's, there's everyone, they look at baseball looks at steroids in such a different light. And then going to where you're talking about the NCAA, first of all, the NCAA is, is an absolute mess in terms of how they handle scandals, uh, before I go to the Reggie Bush one, because I do want to say something about that, I want to point out what Oklahoma State's going through right now. Something yes. that happened years ago, and now they're going to lose the best recruit they've had since Marcus Smart. They have a new coach, a whole new coaching staff that have absolutely nothing to do with what happened a few years ago, and now they can't go to the NCAA tournament, and they're going to lose Cade Cunningham. I mean, that's crazy that you punish people that have no knowledge of what happened, had nothing to do with it, and that's something the NCAA's done for a long time. And at Southern Cal, man, uh, Reggie Bush – the OJ Mayo one, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. But the Reggie Bush one, the Reggie Bush one is big because I mean that he was a game changer in terms of college football. I mean that was a guy who did everything. You could have put him at free safety and he would have done even more. I mean he was that kind of player at USC. And I got you know, of course, getting the family, the home, and getting the money, everything. Hey, it's a violation. You know, punish him, do whatever. But taking away, how in the world? How in the world? does that affect the way he played and the way USC played? I just don't understand that. And, but again, you know, Jay, how how do you, how do you fix it? I mean, how do you, how do you punish these guys for breaking the rules besides punishing the school and punishing teams? Even if it takes two or three years to investigate, I think that's the biggest issue that they just can't figure out. I mean, that's the only way they know how to punish it is to take away the wins, take away the titles, take away the Heisman. 
And that's something, I mean, I just, I've, I've always said the same thing. You know, I don't understand how that, that affects Reggie Bush's play. I don't understand how that affects how successful a guy like Matt Leiner was, who now can't even say he was the all-time winningest quarterback in, you know, Pac-12 or even close to NCAA history because those wins didn't count. Well, that sucks for Matt Leiner, who was an amazing, you know, undisputed, one of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time. But now technically he has what, I mean, I guess four or five wins all time uh, according to the rule book or according to the official result thing. So it's just wild to me. But when I think about it, you know, I, I pose this question to you. I mean, what, what's the substitute? How do you fix that? How do you punish guys when they, because I mean, right now, you know, I'm, I'm a Duke fan, but what happens when they find out Zion Williamson got these extra incentives when he maybe, you know, received things for coming to Duke? What are they going to do to Zion? They're not going to do anything to Zion. It's going to be the Duke class of 2022 that gets punished. And, I mean, that, that feels wrong, but I just don't know how you fix that. I think the way to fix it, um, and I'm thinking about just not something off the wall, but something that is the first thing that comes to my mind, new leadership. And I'm not saying – I'm not – I don't know Mark Cameron. I don't know anything about the man, never met the man. But you're going to have to bring somebody in. And I'm not saying come by, somebody come in and be – like wacky and cuckoo and just do crazy things. But somebody to come in and just start changing different rules, like the ones we're talking about, and saying, well, you could punish the player, but don't take those wins away. If someone got gifts and those gifts didn't, didn't now listen, you take a steroids, that's a different thing. But if what they're doing is just literally receiving uh, a car or, or some clothes or some money or a limo for the Heisman ceremony or a house, now granted, I understand it. There may be a punishment that goes with that. But there is no reason to take a man's Heisman, to take wins away, to take a national championship away. The one thing that I don't – and this first came to my mind when I was doing a bit for, my, for, my, for the show about um, Rick Pitino. I was looking up Rick Pitino. He got the job at Iona. So I'm looking up Rick Pitino. He got these wins. That, hold on, it's an asterisk. You mean to tell me that they're going to put an asterisk next, next, to that, next to that championship just because of something that happened? That didn't affect what happened on the court. Right. But that's the NCAA. That's how they operate. To you and I, it makes no sense. To the person outside of sports, it makes no sense. There may be people inside the NCAA building that are decision makers that make no sense. But nobody is there that is standing up and saying, hey, y'all, this is wrong. This needs to change right now. None of this going around and around in circles five, ten years to make a change. This needs to change right now. So possibly, Cody, it could be leadership because somebody else coming in and just not saying clean house, but going out and saying, oh, we're going to change this rule. We're going to change this rule. We're going to change this rule. It won't just help the sport and collegiate sports as a whole, it'll help fans because oh, yeah. there'll be fans that will come back and say, Hey, I didn't, I stopped watching collegiate sports because y'all are petty, but now since y'all ain't petty no more, y'all can get my eyeballs on the television screen. Yeah. And you know, the only thing that I would say that's different from what you mentioned is, you know, all the things you mentioned, I agree 100%. It doesn't affect your play, but the only thing that I would say is definitely a, a question mark is getting incentives to come to the school. So yeah. again, you know, if you're going to, if Reggie Bush is at USC and they're saying, man, you're playing great. You're doing great things, man. I'm, I'm giving your parents a house, man. I love what you're doing for the school, but that that's one thing. But if I'm looking at a high school senior and I'm looking at a guy like Zion Williamson and he's from South Carolina and you know, he's got a close relationship with Clemson. He's got family members with the Clemson and I'm a Duke booster and I'm over there going, look, man, now Clemson's your hometown team, but you know, they don't have a basketball, a rich basketball tradition. They, they're football this, football that. You're not going to get any – you're not going to get the same kind of attention you will at Duke, man. Hey, look, you come to Duke, we're going to have you a shoe deal. We're going to have you $10,000 cash. We're going to have you escalate right when you get to campus. That's where the question lies. And the thing that happens now is if they don't – maybe it's not right when you get on campus. Maybe it's saying, hey, man, you come to Duke. 
you know, hands clean, you're here, you're enrolled. You come January, come once we're in the midst of the season, people aren't paying attention to recruiting anymore. They're looking at the next class. That's when we're going to hook you up. That's where it all kind of starts coming out. You know, these boosters work so sneaky and they've really found all these tricks in the system. And that's why it's so hard to, to pop them. And, you know, we only see, you know, you don't hear about recruiting scandals as much now. And again, the Louisville situation was a wild, a yes. wild investigation that had a lot of crazy things in there. I've never heard of a coach ordering strippers for players. That's crazy. But, uh, you know, that's what the boosters do. You know, they, they have all these different weird, the, the ways and, and things are set up differently. And, you know, the new thing is now is with the one and done, it's you pay them back. And that's where things get even more uh, just messy, you know. Well, well, yeah, I, I got Zion's family this, but once he gets drafted number one overall and he gets that signing bonus, he's going to pay us back. So I didn't give him anything that, you know, it's so murky and so messy that, I mean, again, I, you know, I think new leadership and stuff is definitely an answer. But, I mean, even if you get new, new, new leadership and new people, still, what, how, do you, how do you punish? How do you adjust the rules to where, A, it makes sense to, you know, who do you punish? I mean, do you punish boosters? You can't really go after boosters. I mean, that's, you just, I mean, it's so hard to do. I mean, there's just, the NCAA is one of those things where I don't think it phases out, Jay, but especially with, baseball I mean these kids go pro out of high school I mean I, I know not here locally but over in North Carolina a kid that we had heard about play he was drafted as a junior in high school so does he get to leave high school a year early and go play pro ball I mean is that how that works I don't know for sure but I mean that's that's crazy yeah, <laughs> he's not even finished yeah. in high school yet and now in high school you know I'd say uh, two years away from high schoolers can go right to the draft which is awesome and that's that should be allowed but High schoolers can already go to the G League. So, I mean, what, I mean, why would you even go the route to go to a college unless you just really wanted a higher education, which that's, you know, good, do that. But, I mean, nowadays it's so easy for an adult to go back to school or just take online classes. I mean, online classes have been around for years, and so they're about to become even more, you know, important and even more relevant now with the pandemic going on. And I know a lot of schools are doing that anyways, and now it's, you're going to be able to do any class you want online. So why, why would you go? Why, I mean, unless you were just a diehard so, you know, blank, insert college team here fan. If I grew up a Kentucky fan and Kentucky offered me a scholarship, hey, I might go. But if not, if my family's in poverty or if my dream is not to be a Kentucky Wildcat, my dream is to make a million dollars and play in the NBA, why in the world would you go to college and play basketball? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one, of those, one of those situations you don't really know how to handle. You, we get, we, you have an idea, I have an idea. We just, we, different things could come to our mind. <laughs> while we're talking and while the other person is talking. But, man, it's just one of those situations where baseball, NCAA, kind of stuck in their ways, kind of need to just get out of the box a little bit. And speaking of baseball, um, what's going to end on this note, baseball's not here. I would love for baseball to be here. I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I'm looking at Rob Manfred on my television right now with this ESPN special. Ugh. I'm not going to get upset with the man. I'm going to try to keep it calm. <laughs> but baseball, if steroids came back, and I'm going to end it with this question – if steroids came back, would it be able to bring back the fans that it used to? Not steroids in general, no. <laughs> but what you need is is a character. You know, I, I, I let me go, be more detailed about that word. You need someone that draws people in. Uh, you know, you look at a sport like the NBA, and they they've had so many big time players. But you know, when we say when me and you say star players, I mean we could talk so many guys but let's think about you know superstar players jay we can still talk about so many guys 
Let's talk about the transcendent players, the guys that make you stop what you're doing and watch. That's your handful. That's your very small number of athletes. Michael Jordan, your LeBron James, you're as good as Kobe Bryant was. I mean, he's borderline, and I, I think I think he's on that list. But I, I don't think he's as on that list as a lot as much as a lot of people say he is. But more people will say it now that he's passed away. But I think he was. Yeah, I mean, Kobe never really made me drop everything and watch, just to be perfectly honest. And California, West Coast may be different. But for me, I mean, I, I didn't look at him at the same light as I looked at Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Uh, you bounce over to the NFL. They had a few guys. Uh, Tom Brady, just the fact that he always won. And again, Tom Brady was not really a fan favorite outside of New England. He was a villain. But you know what? If I knew he might lose, I mean, my goodness, I loved Eli Manning because he beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. That's the only reason I liked Eli Manning. He didn't care anything about the New York Giants, but he could beat Tom Brady. Uh, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, guys like that. I mean, transcendent NFL players that you wanted to see what they were doing. You go to baseball, and, uh, you know, Jay, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I keep tabs on who's playing well, if right. there's anything special going on that I don't watch daily. I, I put it on for background noise. I told you my wife hates it, so she'll turn it off so I don't get to watch maybe as much baseball as I like because she hates the sport. But uh, over the last 10 years, uh, you know, has there been a superstar baseball I mean has there been that that big hitter you want to see has there been that outstanding pitcher you want to see and that to me is you know and I don't know and that's what they need and they need that player because you know I I remember and we've talked a lot about McGuire and Sosa and to me when I think all-time favorite baseball player I think Ken Griffey Jr. I think Andrew Jones of the Braves but all time I'll never forget staying up super late till almost 12 o'clock eastern time to see Barry Bonds chase 73 home runs and then to see him chase the all-time home run record. The all, you know, when he was getting up there at 712 and 713 and 714, a man throwing things down and my mom coming to the room yelling at me because I was up at midnight, but I was throwing things in the room and kicking the bed because pitchers were walking him. Like, let dude hit his home run, man. Like, hey, man, that, that was that was so upsetting. Oh, man. Like, what do you, what do you want? We, we want to watch a show, and yeah. you're messing up our night. Yeah, like, pitch to the man, especially, in, you know, when it was 0-0, pitch to him. And I would get so mad because, I mean, I'd be staying up till 12, 12, 30 at night on a school night to see him get walked four times. I used to get furious. But the key thing is, I would do that. I was willing to stay up to watch Barry Bonds try to chase that record. I don't know if I would turn off a good episode of The Office to watch a baseball game today. I really don't. And I've seen every episode of The Office 454 times. But I just my, – my level of want to watch baseball just isn't there. And it would take a player, in my opinion, because, again, I, I grew up a brave fan. But, you know, once uh, Bobby Cox retired and all those players fell off, you know, I just sort of just didn't keep up with it anymore. So yeah. I'm not going to really follow them the way I used to. But – to me, I, I need a, I need a big time player. And you look over at any sport, man. And again, you know, I love combat sports. And you think of what Conor McGregor did in mixed martial arts, and what guys like Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury have done for heavyweight boxing to bring that back to life. That's what you need. You need someone who who will grab your attention and get you to where you can't look away. And hey, maybe that player is on steroids. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't necessarily have to be. But that's what baseball needs. Baseball just needs a lively character. And right now, everything is so. Uh, by the book. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just so traditional. It, it, it's so just, yeah, you know, I mean, I, like I said, Mike Trout, I think will be looked back as one of the greatest baseball players of all time if he keeps on pace over the next few years. But we will look back and say, that dude was the best, most boring star player in maybe sports history in terms of, man, he, he hit 50 home runs and had 160 RBIs and hit over 340. I never heard of him. I mean, that's, that's where we're at with such a star player. And it's, it's crazy. And then pitchers. I mean, you know, 
chicks dig the long ball. We've said that a few times, but I remember they were used to, if, if there was a big time pitching matchup, man, you wanted to see it. Pedro yes, Martinez versus Roger Clemens, man, I'm watching that on yes, ESPN sir. tonight. I'm watching that. I can't name, besides Clayton Kershaw, I can't name you another pitcher in baseball right now, Jay. And that's coming from a, a big sports fan. I just really off the top of my head with no baseball being played right now, can't think of two pitchers going head to head that I would drop everything to see. That's, that's the problem with baseball. And the game's not changed much. There may not be a lot of home runs, may not be that many strikeouts anymore, but, but that's my problem. The sport needs a star. They need star power. They need something like that. But I mean, let's be honest, you can't create stars if you don't even play the game. So you need less crybabies. You need less people who are, who just want to play. And, you know, the NBA is going through a whole thing right now, trying to get back on the court. But what you're seeing is, is guys who are willing to sacrifice their health and maybe well-being for no real significant reason. If the NBA season got canceled, people would be like, oh, that sucks. But I understand. This is, this is baseball's time. Baseball could have been – I honestly, if we would have talked, say, uh, February – now, if we would have talked in March, Jay, and mm-hmm. you would have said, "What can baseball? If baseball starts playing during this pandemic with no fans, would it be a good idea?" And I would have told you 100% undoubtedly yes, because it would have been the only thing to watch. People are watching golf. People are watching NASCAR. People are watching uh, fights on TV. People are watching old sporting events. None of those ratings would compare to a Yankee game on ESPN. Right. A Chicago a Chicago Cub game, an Atlanta Brave game, a LA Dodger game. The ratings would kill. Yeah. right now and they're dropping the ball by not playing and I think that is uh I think you're going back to 1994 I think they're going to lose a lot of fans and of course once the opening day happens next year people will come back around but I think I think it's a it's a huge letdown uh for baseball and it's just another I hate to say it but another nail in the coffin I just think baseball is is very very close to being I mean just not relevant and really losing I mean I think in a couple of years we'll talk about the big two and American sports and football and basketball and baseball will will no longer be considered even on par with those two sports. I'm going to end with two things very quickly. And you mentioned the big two. Well, I was watching, I was on Twitter one day and someone said, oh, Major League Baseball is not bigger than college football. I had to agree with that. If you put college football on and baseball at the same time, you're going to get college football on easily. Not, not just rivalry weekend, Iron Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan, doesn't matter. It could be week two, a big non-conference game. College football is going to get more eyeballs yeah. than Major League Baseball. And then, guys, I'm not trying to be that guy, but the WNBA has a plan to return in Major League Baseball. Does not. Cody Gwynn, thank you for coming on once again. This has been fun. Um, I said this the last time. I said it, hopefully we have you on again when sports come back. Sports aren't back yet. But hopefully the next time you come on the podcast, we definitely have live sports to watch and we get to enjoy and watch together. Cody, thank you for coming on once again. Man, we're going to start paying closer attention to PGA Tour, NASCAR, and Cornhole if we want to talk about live sports, it feels like. But I appreciate you having me on, Jay. Love to come on here and talk with you. That, my friend, was a lot of fun. And you know what else would be a lot of fun? Baseball, getting right, putting it together. Rob Manfred, you have the power to just say play ball. That's all you have to do is just say play ball. Ball, but you have not said play ball yet. So what are we doing? We're playing a waiting game and looking back in the summer of 98. That's what I that's what I've been referring to this documentary as for quite a long time. The summer of 98, and it was very nostalgic for myself and Cody when when talking about and watching this documentary about taking us back to our childhood and a vital point of us being sports fans and being able to relive some of those moments. Well, Rob Manfred. 
you have the opportunity to just get the eyeballs of sports fans right now, just like the sub of 98 did, and just start playing baseball. But no, you haven't done it yet. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if you're, if you're scared. We're not sure what is going on in your mind as to why you haven't said play ball just yet. But Rob Manfred, there are base, non-baseball fans out there, people that never watch baseball, don't care about baseball, but all they want you to do is say play Ball, Rob Manfred, let's get it together. You can help baseball out so much right now during this abnormal time in our country's history if you simply say, play ball. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. If you're not on Twitter, you would love to connect with the podcast. Send your emails to Pod at gmo.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that search for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 104 of the Day Simmons Podcast. I'll see you next time.